0: That's NOom.com dot com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks and Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Joe Galina, and as always, I am joined by my buddy Scott Chu. Scott, how's it going, my friend?
2: Oh, you know, just living. Living the life. I got, you know, the twin baby still and the three cats and a dog and a guinea pig and an eleven year old. So just, you know, just just getting by. That that's the there way I go. live now.
1: All right. Well, uh, I got to meet Mr. Meeks. what's the name of your cat?
2: Mr. Mr. Keeks. Uh his ori- Keeks. his original name. Yeah. So his original name was Kiki. Uh, after Kiki's Delivery Service, which is a movie by Studio Ghibli, and Kiki is actually the name of the girl. The cat's name is Gigi, but that's what my son calls his grandma, so we went with Kiki. Get to uh, we th- we take him to the vet to get spayed. We thought because uh, we thought it was a girl. Uh, that's what we were told, oh, and they cut the cat open, and they're like, "Hey, by the way, there's nothing in here."
0: <laughs> so turns oh out
2: God. he just uh, he's got long hair, so we nobody noticed, and uh. um. Yeah, so I had to come up with a new name on the fly. I had to give consent for him to be spayed instead of neutered. Very Jeez, specific consent forms, apparently.
1: So we're gonna we're gonna have to have a talk after the podcast about the difference between males and females, Scott. Yeah, yeah, um, I get the two kids mixed up a, all the time. Yeah, this is a clean <laughs> this is a clean podcast, so we we really can't talk about it. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, glad to hear that uh, you know things are moving in the right direction for you with your uh, with your babies and your your son and your wife and. And uh, your animals, so I mean, but uh you know, let's uh talk a little baseball and uh talk about my man Aaron Judge. I don't know if you caught the the highlight of of the catch he made. yesterday. I mean th- no ballpark can contain this guy uh offensively defensively can hit a home run out of any park will break through a wall if he has to in order to take a a hit or a home run away from an opposing batter. I mean it's just the privilege as a Yankee fan, like myself, to get to, to watch him play every day. And obviously one of the premier fantasy uh, baseball players around.
2: Yeah. Breaking through walls is pretty easy when you're six foot seven and full of muscles, right? <laughs> like who needs walls? Just walk. He just walks through them, right? Just sounds uh,
1: like no, that he... Met at work. Sound, uh, song, you know, six foot four and full of muscles.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Land Down Under. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I listen to some retro radio stations. I there I know these go. songs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's I mean, there's not much. I mean, he's he's like this guy in fantasy we don't get to talk about much because he's like he's a, just Aaron he's Judge. Just so good. Like yeah. as long as mm-hmm. he's healthy, which is most of the time, it's not as bad as it was a little earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, He just hits tons of bombs. That's what he does.
1: Yeah. Just an all around player, you know, and uh, you, you're right. Like earlier in his career, he was more prone to injuries, but I think he he changed his workout routine, added some yoga, and Yanks have been a little bit more responsive to noticing when he needs that extra day off, and I remember if it wasn't last season or two seasons ago, you know, the Yankees rested him for two days, and I got nervous, but they obviously kind of know what they're doing when they handle their their injuries. I, I wish that Giancarlo Stanton kind of got out of that, uh, injury prone, uh, phase of his career. But, you know, when you know, he's, he finally made it back to the lineup, uh, this weekend, but, uh, you know, that when they say, Hey, you know, he's going to be out for two weeks, he just double and sometimes triple it. So, uh, yeah, Giancarlo
2: but, Stanton is interesting. He comes back, hits a home run and sits yeah. the next
1: day. <laughs> well, they said he was Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he did, you know, he needs a rest. Well, I mean, and they had said, <laughs> and, uh, Josh Donaldson also came back. And I think he hit two home runs on Friday night, uh, but he played two days in a row. But they had said with Stanton that he wasn't going to play all three games. You know, they'd be very, very cautious with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, the guy hit a home run. He needs a rest, Scott. Please, all right? Um, yeah, that's a long
2: try. All right, so today, uh, figure that we'll a long way to go. Turn
1: our attention to some hitters that are generally rostered in less than 50 percent of fantasy baseball leagues i mean one of the guys that i'll bring up is, is rostered in just one percent of yahoo leagues uh but uh these are guys although not heavily rostered scott they could be used as good streaming options some might even call them uh, deep sleepers if that even exists this, the term sleeper exists anymore i guess uh but uh you know, we've spoken about this before, but one of the keys to streaming hitters is no one to say goodbye and when not to stream anymore. I'll give you one example real quick. Uh, Jaron Duran, outfielder for the Red Sox. I mean, uh, you wonder, has the wind uh, blown out of his sail slumping lately? And, you know, that's kind of like streaming for you. A guy that gets super hot and then all of a sudden is not right. I mean, his strikeout rate has been skyrocketing lately uh, over the past month. Uh, his last 22 games, batting 190 with a 526 OPS, you just wonder, I mean, I know they're pitchers, but for every Bryce Miller, you know, every every pickup, you're going to get stuck with like a, a, a Brian Wu, who's a, a Mariners starter who got shelled yesterday. But, you, you know, you wonder, you know, what the, the long-term uh, for Jaron Duran would be right now.
2: Yeah, Jaron Duran is a guy who, uh, I mean, he was making good contact, but he wasn't making a lot of hard contact, and that doesn't mean like he can't be a good player. But something we actually talked about on the one week you were gone, we talked about Jaron Duran is uh, hitting a lot of fly balls to the uh, going the opposite way, which in you know in his home ballpark and whacking those against a green monster that can play, but generally speaking, fly balls the opposite way don't. Don't land for hits like ever. And then when you combine that with strikeouts, a guy who didn't have a lot of, I mean, really the thing with Jaron Duran, when you look at him, he was a great streamer. He was doing good things, but you always had to keep in mind what is his upside? His upside was never a top 50 hitter, a top 75 hitter. That's just not the skill set he brings to the table. He had some power, decent batting average, decent speed. His very best season ever, maybe he gets in the top 75, but he's more of like a top 100-ish kind of hitter. And so when they start floundering, why hold? Like, what are you hoping to hold on to, right? Like, what's, what are you putting yourself through the pain for? Because every week that you hold a guy uh, who, who's struggling, you are, you're basically, especially, well, mostly in Roto, you're giving back some of the value that you got because you're putting up all these offers or like, you know, he has a one for 27 week. That's hurting. Like that's hurting you a lot. And so you just have to know, I mean the quintessential example and and, you know, he's never someone I was a huge fan of overall, but Christopher Morrell, right. We talked about Christopher Morrell several times. We talked about him actually in the preseason, right? Because in the preseason he was coming up as a sleeper and we had to remind people he can't make contact. He misses. He doesn't, he doesn't make contact. He doesn't make contact in the zone. He can get hot, right? But like when you can't make contact, especially in the zone, there's only so long these hot streaks can last. Because pitchers will just start challenging you more in the zone, and if you don't make contact in there, they're just gonna like they're going to find ways to beat you. Christopher Morel goes on this 12-day streak. He hits nine home runs. About a week later, I had I was already saying like, "Hey, time to cut him. Time to cut him." I got asked a lot like, "What? What did you look Like, what have we learned in one week of bad at bats?" That makes you think we should cut Christopher Morrell. No, no, no. The thing isn't that we learned something new in the one week. It's that we never learned anything new about him at all. Right. The thing with Christopher Morrell is sure he got really, really hot, but the skill set was always the same. He was like, he walks. Okay. But he was striking out when you're super hot, but you're still striking out 37% of the time, close to 40% of the time. Mm -hmm. it's a ticking time bomb right and like strikeouts aren't necessarily a category in every league but when you can't make contact right like you just you have problems like it's not something even the cubs like within a week the cubs had started pulling back the playing time right they had already Mm -hmm. started doing it because he's not making contact christopher morrell has some power upside has speed upside but loses the starting job all the time because when he loses, like if something goes off for him, he just absolutely plummets, right? He mm-hmm. he starts striking out, you know, that 35, 40% of the time. He's not giving you the power anymore. He's never on base. So we can't give you speed. So he's the type of player that once he starts cooling off, go ahead and move on because the upside for Christopher Morrell is still barely a top 75 player. And he's a long way from getting there because he can't get there with all these strikeouts, right? Mm-hmm. We waited longer on a guy like Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker also has zone contact issues. He's a guy we've talked about on this podcast before, but you know that the hot streak is worn off. He does have that top 75 ish upside because he could be a guy who hits 30 to 35 home runs, but until he makes better contact in the zone. And again, it's not about plate discipline. The problem is that when he chooses to swing, he chooses to swing in good moments, but he doesn't connect. Right. And that's, that's a harder thing to kind of get a fix on. Right. It's not about pitch selection and all that. It's, it's basically he knew it was a, a pitch in the zone and he couldn't hit. <clears throat> so, so what do you know? What do you do with him? You hold on to Brent Rooker for a little long. Case, he turns it around, but he's another guy that go ahead and cut right. James mm. Altman, same story. Tons of power, contact issues. You can't hold on to that for too long. Again, in keeper dynasty, there's there's more things to think about because long term upside is there. But <clears throat> in the twelve team redraft leagues, you got to let him go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I had my, uh, opportunity to talk some Yankees and the, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast knows you're a big Tigers fan. And one of the guys that, uh, by the way, we're, we're recording this on Sunday, June 4th, it's about 1230. And, uh, you know, one of those guys that's going to be a, a hot waiver wire pickup this week is a tiger. Zach McKinstry. Everyone's talking about this guy. Uh, kind of a you know a guy that could play all over the field, depending on your league settings. Could be eligible at second base, outfield, third base, shortstop. Uh, right now playing some outfield because of the unfortunate injury to Riley Green. Thirty nine percent rostered in CBS Sports leagues. Uh, spent some time in the Dodger organization, but of course with their. Uber talented roster it was hard for him to get regular uh playing time and and Scott he made your list this week the the hitter list that uh, uh, that you put out every week
0: you just made the list
1: um and you know he had been platooning but now getting regular starts batting leadoff recently right uh it's got a 15 home run, 17 stolen base 162 game average you got to love his plate discipline too right he's walking 14% of the time And uh, striking out only 19% of the time is not chasing stuff outside the zone as much. But, uh, you know, McKinstry, one of the hottest guys uh, off the waiver wire uh, this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, one, one thing off the bat is that position eligibility is going to get him on a lot of searches, right? When folks are looking for a replacement player, Zach McKinstry shows up at the top of like a bunch of different positional, you know, last 14 days or whatever. It took Mm -hmm. a while for McKinstry to get on the list, even though his OBP for the last like month and a half has been well over 400, right? So the issue with McKinstry wasn't that he can't get on base. He can get on base. He'll continue to get on base all season. He's more valuable in those OBP leagues because of that. Problem is he wasn't showing any power. The power is what's new, right? And when I say new, I mean really new. (laughs) It's really just in the last week or two that we're seeing some power come out. So he's got, uh, you know, since May 27th, that was kind of a, a breakout game for him. Uh, he had been leading off. He get, he goes three for five, and he hits a double and a home run. Since then, he's got uh, another double and a triple. And that's what I've been waiting for. He, I mean, he steals bases, too. He's got uh, four stolen bases in the last two weeks. Um, but I was waiting on the power. Because even if you look back from May 1st to today, his OBP is higher than his slug. Right. That means you're not like, that's an instant sign. Like, oh, the slug's okay. It's over 400. Unless of course the OBP is 450. And what that's telling (laughs) you is that slug is really being driven by like singles, right? Like he's not, he's not hitting for any power. So his it really caps his upside, especially in batting average leagues right cuz the obp will always be like high enough that you can kind of ignore it but he's not like a luis Arias guy who's going to hit 300 long term that's just not the kind of player he is it's he's got a good hit tool but not like that he doesn't hit it very hard but he is someone that you could absolutely add for for runs scored at the top of that lineup plenty of plate appearances um especially if the offense can just keep going a little bit they've really slowed down the last you know last week or so but <clears throat> you can get some of that you can get some speed but really what you're after are the ratios right now and the flexibility. And once you no longer need that, or once he's not providing that anymore, you will have to let him go because again, Mm -hmm. the upside is limited, right? He is not a, he's not even like a Christopher Morrell upside necessarily. McKinstry is really a high floor guy. So with the high floor guy, you do want to keep a close eye, especially on things like strikeout rate. If you start seeing that get higher, you need to worry a little bit. Um, he's not like the last couple of games. He really hasn't been walking, which is interesting. Only one walk in his last, uh, seven games. Again, kind of weird, something I'm willing to look through, but he is someone worth adding. If you need those ratios and you need someone who can play it, you know, 15 positions or whatever, but I do like McKinstry as someone who, you know, he makes the back of the list because he's someone who, who could have some staying power, uh, especially if your league has like requirements for a corner infield or a middle infield or five outfield or something like that. There's value there, Mm -hmm. but what you're watching for when to let go is either he loses the leadoff spot, which I don't really expect, or the power is just like the power goes away again. And you just, Mm -hmm. you know, you see these, two-week stretches where he has just one extra base hit, then you can start thinking about moving on.
1: And once Riley Green comes back, uh, I would think that his playing time is going to dry up as well, no?
2: I mean, maybe a little, but his Mm -hmm. flexibility. And the the Tigers are not a deep team, right? Like, they don't have a bunch of guys clamoring for spots all over the field. Uh, So it, it'll be interesting how that works. He could go to a platoon, uh, but even if he does, it'll be the large side of one. So in deeper leagues, he still will have some, you know, he'll still have some intrigue
1: there. Mm-hmm. What about uh, your guy, Akil Badu? Do you think that he has more long-term upside than uh, a guy like McKintry? I mean, I'm thinking that. Moving forward, he's going to get more regular playing time with the injury to Green as well. Uh, over the past month, put up some decent numbers, 266 batting average in his last 23 games with an 843 OPS. Has cut down on the strikeouts. Uh, I mean, he's got that rolling chart that you love to see. I know he's the, the Wobah's going way up and the strikeouts coming way down recently. I mean, uh, same kind of chart that we we loved when we looked at uh, Julio Rodriguez last season. Not saying that Padu is as Julio Rodriguez, but, uh, what are we thinking about? You know, is it time to start looking at Akil Badu again?
2: Yeah. So, uh, with Badu, a couple things going on. Number one, uh, he's moved up in the batting order. Last three, really, uh, his last three games, he's bad. He's hit second, second, and third. He still does sit once in a while. He's playing a lot more now. Uh, he is facing a couple lefties, <clears throat> which is good. The biggest thing with Badu has been power, right? So, uh, he had this huge power flash when he first came up and then after that we really didn't see it anymore right it, it kind of just evaporated deon base skills were kind of there i mean he was really really bad last season but since may 1st 87 plate appearances he has a 14.9% walk rate and just a 12.6% strikeout rate and while it isn't a ton of power the ratios are pretty good too right 270 batting average 379 obp that slugs 446 We're seeing the stuff we want to see from Akil Badu. The biggest thing has been that drop in strikeouts. As long as he can manage the strikeouts, he should Mm -hmm. get more opportunities to start, right? Because this is a guy who who has some upside. The thing that made me fall in love with Akil Badu, apart from him being a tiger uh, and having a great smile, is that (laughs) he made huge adjustments. His rookie year. He went from this guy mm-hmm. that was striking out 30 something percent of the time, but hitting home runs to this guy who didn't hit home runs, but started walking and striking out at 20 percent rates, right? Like a very Juan Soto esque sort of ratio kind of thing, like more walks than strikeouts. He's not Juan Soto, obviously, but that kind of extreme play discipline. And so now what we're seeing is some of the power is back. Uh, he is running. I think he has even more speed than what we're seeing. Like he should be able to steal more bases than this so that's really where like some of the upside is although something i've been writing uh, quite a bit lately is 20 steals doesn't mean what it used to mm-hmm. right 20 steals just there's a lot i mean it's so much easier to find stolen bases now that you don't need to you know beg and plead for every stolen base you
1: can get so right. i think when you're looking it doesn't at a mean you to stop do, looking for stolen bases because so many other it just players... means there's more of them yeah exactly right
2: yeah mm-hmm. so i, I think so if I was to like project Akil Bedu like a like a full season, we're not gonna—he's not going to play a full season because he already hasn't. He's probably gonna hopefully get to like 130 games or so. I could see him being like a 15 home run, 20 stolen base guy in a full season. And I could see decent ratios, right? Like a little more OBP than batting average, but I think that could be there. But what I need to see is the power. He's not someone I'm picking up in a ton of 12 teamers yet. Uh, I I am a little bit because I love a QB more than most people really should. So like, I'm willing to do it when there's not like, if there's not like a clearly better option out there, but for him, if, if we, if we continue to see that power or if we continue to see him bat in the top three of the lineup, that's really when it's going to be time to swoop in because that's when he can be at his best.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, good stuff. So I think this would be a good spot to take our first quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk uh, some more uh, batters that are owned in, eh, and rostered in less than 50% of leagues. We'll talk a little Will Brennan, uh, Leody Tavares as well. And we'll talk about them right after this.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's n o o m dot com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galena and Scott Chu. You could follow me at Joe Galena. Follow my buddy Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits, and uh, we're talking some. Uh, I guess you call them sleepers, Scott, right? Some guys that are rostered in uh, less than 50% of leagues. And this guy, Will Brennan, outfielder for the Guardians. Uh, I'll get it out. Only 1% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And that kind of makes sense as an outfielder uh, because, you know, Yahoo only you're starting three outfielders. But this guy had a really good minor league career, uh, 296, 367, 435, triple slash so showed some power and speed uh during his time with the minor leagues but so far uh for brennan the power really hasn't translated fully to the bigs uh but he did hit a home run ironically on saturday night remember we we're recording this on june 4th sunday about twelve thirty eastern time um i guess the the concern with the power too would be the guy hits a lot of ground balls uh above average ground ball rate for brennan Also, average exit velo, hard hit rate, barrel rate, all well below the league average. But, uh, you know, there are some concerns with his plate discipline. On the one hand, only walking just under 3% of the time, but very good K rate at uh, 15.7%. And uh, over the past month, batting over 300, 317 batting average in his last 23 games with a 739 OPS. What do you think about Will Brennan and his uh, long term or at least rest of you know, season or maybe even just the next month or so?
2: Yeah, Will Brennan. So I've been thinking about, uh, you know, calling guys sleepers. I don't know if we can call them sleepers, but I would call these guys watch list guys, right? Because in yeah, 12 yeah. team leagues, you're, you're probably not in a place where you need, you know, you don't need to add Akil Badu right now. You don't need to okay. add Will Brennan right now. But that doesn't mean they're not interesting players. And, the, you know, deep leagues, I think it's something you do need to take some action on. And also, it's something where, uh, you know, if we see a change or two, Right. Like that's when we really pounce. Like you probably need, you know, if you need a player, you know, Zach McKinstry is someone you can add right now in 12 team leagues, uh, especially OBP leagues. But these other two guys, like Will Brennan, left handed guy. So even if he's in a platoon, it should be the large side of one. Uh, Will Brennan is a hit tool guy. Right. Like there's, there's not like this raw power. He is never going to be the guy that we play a clip of hitting a 115 mile an hour line drive. Will Brennan just doesn't have that kind of power. What he Mm -hmm. does have is hit tool, which is, I mean, that's why he doesn't walk so much, right? If it's in the strike zone, this guy can get to it. And and that is something that especially, you know, it can really lead to some nice hot streaks. It can really lead to something that, that is worth following because the floor will never be that low Mm -hmm. uh, because he is always going to make contact. So there's always, you know, there should always be something there, uh Will Brennan you know again in a full season this is a guy who's maybe like a f- 10 to 15 home run 15 stolen base kind of player with decent you know decent batting average maybe not a good obp because again he's he's really going to make that batting average with contact right mm-hmm. he he's not he's not going to have this obp that you know is i mean it's always going to be pretty close to his batting average because what he's trying to do is put his bat on the ball which again, in points leagues is even more valuable because those singles and doubles mean more in points leagues than they do in our standard leagues because a single or a double doesn't matter in a standard league unless it drove in a guy or you get driven in, in points leagues, you get points for every single hit. So uh, I think that's something to think about in points leagues. He's a little closer to relevant. I'd love to see, I just love to be sure that he's going to play every day. He's already pretty much there. Well, Mm -hmm. I I want to be sure he's going to play every day. Uh, You know, he's on a, you know, at the time of recording this, he's on a five game hitting streak, Mm -hmm. which is cool to see. Uh, It's, it's, you know, he's got two doubles and a home run during that streak, which ain't bad. He's got one stolen base. That's something I think that he can do even more of on Mm -hmm. a team that, you know, the Guardians are not afraid to run. So, so that's something good. And it's not as though this lineup has been very good. Uh, I, I think there are some opportunities for him to move up in the lineup. He's been hitting, you know, like seventh or so. And that, you know, I don't love that, especially on an offense that's, I mean, quite frankly, it's bad, right? It's the fighting yeah. fighting Jose Ramirez's. Uh Josh Naylor's yeah. had a little bit of a burst, but Ahmed Rosario has been a massive disappointment. Andres Jimenez yeah. has been a massive disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh Stephen Kwan is not even been Stephen Kwan that we expected, you know, we expected him to be a 300 hitter. He's just, he hasn't been able to do that all season. So batting seventh in that lineup is, is unattractive, Mm -hmm. but uh, there are opportunities to move up. And if we see that, that's when I'm probably getting ready to get on board in the, you know, 12 teamers, especially those five outfield leagues. Uh, Again, limited ceiling, not a guy that you want to hold through a prolonged slump, but the hit tool for Will Brendan is good enough that he gets close to the top of the lineup. Uh, anywhere around Jose Ramirez, he can start getting a bit more juice out of those singles that he can hit.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's talk uh, about Leody Tavares, outfielder for the Texas Rangers. 23% rostered in CBS Sports Leagues, which does start uh, five outfielders in their leagues 15% rostered in Yahoo leagues and uh, I guess when you said that there are a lot of 20 stolen base type of guys around you know Tavares Leone Tavares would fit the bill Um, over his career 10 home run 25 stolen base 162 game average he's playing every day now showing uh, some better plate discipline not swinging at stuff outside the strike zone as much as he has. But when you look at his uh, last 25 games over the, over the past month or so, uh, really nice numbers in terms of uh, batting average 337 and an 852 OPS, 17 RBI during that time and, and four stolen bases.
2: Yeah, if we're going to talk about rolling charts, Leo Tavares has never been someone who's been too bad with strikeouts, but he's had these spikes where he strikes out too much. That's been the big difference this season, right? Like his 15 game rolling strikeout rate this season has never gotten to 30%. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's stayed below that. It's, you know, it hasn't really gone higher than 27. Right. And right now it's at about 20. That's beautiful for a guy like this. Uh, Tavares, again, he's not someone that's going to necessarily walk a ton. He can walk, uh, but he's not, you know, we saw him walk a little bit in the past, but this is someone who's probably going to be more of like a league average walk rate, but with a strikeout rate around 21.4%, which, you know, which is what he's had for the full season right now. That's perfect. He just needs to slap the ball. He needs to put it in play. He needs to get on base. Now, again, this is a guy who right now is batting at the bottom of this Texas lineup, and there's not as much room near the top of this lineup, but, uh, Taveras does have speed. He hasn't stolen a base since May 16th, which is annoying because he does have stolen base speed. There's no reason mm-hmm. he can't, but he is getting plenty of hits. The strikeouts are, you know, way down, like you mentioned. I like Leodi Tavares as a back-end outfielder, particularly for speed. That should be the, the carrying card here. He has that, you know, 15 to 20 stolen base speed, which, I mean, so does Will Brennan, so does Akil Badu. The difference with Leody Tavares over those two is he's going to play every day. Uh, Tavares is a guy, you know, he's going to play every day in this outfield. He's their, he's their starting center fielder. Uh, As long as he's healthy, he plays. Even though it's at the bottom of the order. So I I would love to see Leota Tavares at the top of the Rangers lineup because it's a good lineup, right? It's, you know, it's got a guy who I've just been in love with this season, which is Adoles Adoles Garcia, who has Mm -hmm. just, I mean, this whole team has, is really good at not striking out. Adolis Garcia, another guy in this team who has really changed how he views the strike zone, not chasing as much. Though Leodi Tavares is, you know, he's he's a switch hitter. He so he doesn't really platoon. I'd love to see him move up in this lineup, but with semi and Seager, uh Nate Lau, uh, or Nate Low, Adolis Garcia, Josh Young all like 1 through 5 and then Jonah Heim in number 6, there's not really room for Leodi Tavares to move up anywhere. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's still value here, especially while he's getting these slap hits. If you need speed, don't expect a lot of power to come with this. But Leody Tavares, again, a guy who can provide value. Just again, upside's really limited because he's an eight or nine hitter. So again, yep. if he has a prolonged slump, if he hits if he hits the IL, you have any pressure on your IL spots, he's probably not a guy you keep on it. But while he's healthy, which, you know, no reason to suggest he won't be, he is someone you you probably want to look to if you need uh, you know. If you need those stolen bases, especially, you know, keep an eye on the Mac matchups, just see how long you can do that. Um, you know, the the Rangers are an interesting team. Uh, and there are some pieces that are going to move around. Now that Ezekiel Duran is back in the lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily in the lineup, but Ezekiel Duran is back. So I, I wonder if, you know, how other pieces are going to move. We Tavares, not one of the pieces I expect to move. He's going to play center field every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk uh, about Randall Gritchick, uh, from outfield for the uh, Rockies. And, you know, he's rostered in 10% of Yahoo leagues, uh, probably more of a fantasy option in, well, not probably, almost definitely more of a fantasy option in, in five outfield leagues. Uh, he's batting 300 over his last 21 games, but just one home run and 10 RBI in those games and on the season. Uh, this is a guy that has 27 home run, 81 RBI, 162 game average. I mean, maybe he's still feeling the, uh, after effects from his off season hernia, uh, surgery, but, uh, I mean, based on he's hitting the ball hard based on his above average hard hit rate and, uh, his above average, uh, exit velocity, uh, you would hope that the power is going to eventually return and uh, almost like a, a, a perfect guy to put on your watch list once that power comes back. Uh, you know, the fact that he plays, uh, half his games, uh, at course field, you know, makes him a, a decent option as a an offensive force. Yeah. If he was
2: good. Yeah. He, he totally would be, uh, <laughs> I am not a fan. <laughs> I am not a fan of Randall Gritchick. We we've been down this road before. Look what he has, what he's supposed to have anyway, is power, uh, he can hit 20 home runs or so. I mean, he's not the 30 home run guy. I mean, he has one 30 home run season. You'll never guess what year it was. Joe 2019. It was 2019. It's always 2019.
1: <laughs> I guess right. it's always 2019. <laughs> That's always the answer. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. So uh, he's got, you know, he, he's got durability issues. Weirdly enough, these last couple seasons, he's been more healthy than when he was younger, but He'll play most days for the Rockies. They have a homestand coming up. So I guess you can stream him for that. Uh, but then you might as well cut him. Uh he's he's not the type very few Rockies are worth rostering when they're on the road. Uh right now, I'm not sure there are any. And Randall Goritchik is definitely one of the not any, right? Like he's <laughs> he's not like he, he did do some damage recently, mostly on you know, mostly at home, right? Uh he's gotten a couple hits here and there, like he you know early especially earlier on but there's no like the the issue for me is just there's not a lot of power he's hit some doubles like because course field really lends itself to doubles it's got enormous power alleys in there you know a lot of people like Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen course field and you hear about it you think it's this little band box like you know great american ballpark or something with all those home runs no course field is enormous right like The main thing it does for players, like, yes, it adds to their power numbers. And, you know, the humidor isn't enough to, like, offset the environment. Course Field adds to their batting average because there are enormous, like, the outfield is enormous, right? The ball is light, it flies, and there's tons of grass for it to land on. So, Grichik, you know, he can provide some batting average. He can provide some power when he's at home. I am not interested at all uh, other than that. Right. Uh there's there's just no I just think the upside is so limited for for Gritchuk. You know, age thirty-one, he only had nineteen home runs playing a whole year last year. I've mm. nothing really makes me think he's any better than he was for any of the last, you know, than he was last season. Season before that, 2021 was fine. Twenty-two home runs, eighty-one RBI, and bad ratios, right? So like this is a guy who has a career. That, we're not talking about a couple game, 1051 games. one thousand fifty-one games. He has a career, two ninety six OBP, right? Yeah, he mm. slugs four sixty six. Again, there is power, but otherwise, like especially now, if only if he's hot and he only has one home run, like what's the upside then? What mm. am I waiting for?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, like I said, uh, it is kind but of at home. We at yeah, home, yeah, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about uh, Jamar candelario third baseman for the washington nationals that you know well right former tiger 28 percent rostered in cbs sports leagues i don't know if you would consider him kind of a, a post-hype sleeper i don't know if he was ever that you know looked as, as that much of a of a top-notch fantasy option but you know uh he gets overlooked a lot because he plays for the nationals and uh has been on fire uh, over the past month or so uh in his last 22 games, batting 333 with an OPS of 1.049, uh, three home runs, 14 RBI, 264 batting average, which is decent. Statcast thinks it should be more in the 250 range. He's cut down on his strikeouts, hitting the ball hard, pulling the ball more. Uh seems like he could be on his way, Scott, to a season where uh Candelario hits close to you know 20 home runs, maybe a few more than that. RBI might be hard to come by because of the lineup he plays in, but what's your uh, outlook on uh, Jaymar Candelario? I'm I'm mildly interested.
2: So I've seen a lot of Candelario when he was a tiger. And he's a guy who has been on the fantasy radar before because he gets these spikes. Now he is a, you know, he's a guy who makes a lot of contact. Uh, he's not like a guy who's going to walk to get on base. He does. He just tries to hit the ball. He hits, I mean, mostly line drives and, he's someone who, again, has, has had these flashes of relevance followed by, you know, really big drop-offs because the talent is limited, but when he's hot, he, he's good enough to roster in, in pretty much every league. Now, what we've seen this season is something that's been a little bit better than we've seen in years past. Like, th- those rolling rates are higher than they've been, at least in any of the last, you know, since the start of 2021, right? And he's been, he's been quite good, And the thing about being a national, it's the same thing he had going for him when he was a tiger, which is they're going to let him play. There's, there's no, there's no one coming up to like, take that job from him. He's there to fill a hole at third base for the nationals. He's there to fill a hole in the middle of the line. I mean, he's going to bat third, fourth or fifth every single day for the Nats. Uh, If there are runs to drive in, he'll drive them in. Right. He's, you know, two of his last three games he's got 3 RBI like how many games do you expect the nationals to score 3 runs right mm. like so there's there is a limit you know his upside they only is score very runs limited. when i try
1: to stream a pitcher against them by the way but i'm sorry yeah so rough. unless you're doing that
2: every day <laughs> joe uh candelario's <laughs> upside is limited but you know again he and it's not like he's hitting the ball that much harder than he's hit it before he's did it get harder than last year but pretty much on par with years before that there are decent ratios here. You know, who he actually reminds me of is a guy who has flashed relevance this season is Brian Anderson. So when Brian Anderson was a Miami Marlin, he was this underrated outfielder. Cause he hit third every day for a bad team, right? So there was value there. That's Candelario. He can play third, You know, third base is a black hole for a lot of folks. If you, especially if you lost someone that you'd been counting on early in the season, mm-hmm. uh, if you know, you need a third baseman. Candelario is there for you, and he'll be fine. Right. The up, you know, the hot streaks will look really good. The cold stuff. I mean, you're gonna have these droughts of RBI and run scoring because he's on a bad team. The ratios will be fine. He's serviceable. He is the quintessential back end, you know, you know, fit top, you know, like if I rank third baseman, he's probably somewhere between like 15 and 20. It, especially if I'm leaning more towards floor again, mm. really cap ceiling. But at this point in the season, there's third base guys that just aren't there, right? They're gone. You you can't get your hands on them. So there's, you know, he's fine. He's good. I, I'm saying all this to say like Candelario is someone you can absolutely add. And you're probably still looking to upgrade, right? Mm-hmm. There there's you're it's not so like, okay. I'm, stop
1: Yeah. Right. If you, if you're, you know, yeah, at least because you, you don't know, pick like up a guy like, before, he'll be playing every day.
2: Yeah, but there is no, like, there's no path to being a top 75 hitter. There's, I probably won't ever have him inside my top hundred. In fact, I don't even think he's on the list right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He probably will be for this next, like for the next one, he'll at least be on the taxi squad, but he's, he's like, you know, in fantasy football, they, they use that term a jag, right? Just a guy. He's just a guy, but he's playing right. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's value in being a team's number two receiver, even if it's a bad team right? Mm -hmm. Because they'll go on stretches where they catch a bunch of passes in a straight touchdown or two. That's Jamer Candelario, Mm -hmm. right? Mm That the the targets will be there. The at-bats will be there. They're just, Mm -hmm. you know, they might not always give you a whole lot with them, but they'll always be there. And that's more than can be said for a lot of guys on the wire at third base because it's just been such a black hole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good stuff. So uh, I think this would be a good spot to take our our second break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about a few players that made their uh, debut on Scott's hitter list. uh, And we'll talk about them right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina, Scott Chu, and uh, Scott uh, writes the hitter list. Uh, for the pitcher list website, uh, comes out every Wednesday. Really good read, really good resource. Um, and uh, just want to talk about some of the players that uh, that you added to the list this week, Scott. Um, and uh, why don't we start with uh, Mitch Haniger, outfielder for the Giants. Just made it at uh, number one forty-six. Congratulations to you, Mitch.
2: You did it. Congratulations!
1: And you mentioned that uh, basically, I guess, he's a a known commodity, right? Got some power upside and is going to be playing every day. Uh, The one thing I I noticed that uh, he's always been a better hitter against lefties, but this season, you know, his righty-lefty splits have become more pronounced just two just 205 against right-handed pitchers. But when he's healthy and going strong you know, he's a a 30 home run potential kind of guy.
2: Yeah. And that's really, it. I mean the back. So when you're looking at the, the hitter list, it, the first thing to remember is like that, those last, like the last tier or two and the taxi squad can be really interchangeable based on your needs. If you've been looking for power, Mitch Haniger is a guy who can give that to you. Uh, of course, since the list has come out, he's been ice cold. Granted, that's only a couple of games. But the that strikeouts are staying. You a,
1: yeah, a, yeah, every
2: time. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the feature you was Michael Conforto. You know, right. The feature was Michael Conforto and what, what happens to him? Of course, like the night before the list comes out, he hurts himself. I mean, that's just you're the way right. it goes. Usually I have enough time to like give uh, our graphics team someone else, but I just didn't this time. There was no time, so... Uh, Hanager is someone, you know, he's playing every day for a Giants team that kind of mix and matches a lot, but you know, again, there's power upside. He, I mean, for a while he looked as bad as could possibly be right for really the first half of his season, which isn't the half of the season, but the first half of his season, not so good. It's just really the last two weeks that have been a lot better. We see that strikeout rate, you know, since May, Uh, Since May 21st, that's 52 plate appearances. That strikeout rate's down to 21.2%. That's totally Mm. playable. Uh, He doesn't walk a ton, but that's fine. Hitting two ninety two uh, in that stretch, three forty six OBP, four seventy nine slug. It's, it's two home runs and stolen base. The stolen base is kind of random, but the home run should be there. I think he can continue to hit some. It is a tough place in San Francisco to to hit home runs, but yep. uh, that's only half his games, and it's What's not as though it's complete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he just needs <laughs> yeah, to be on planet Earth, and they'll yeah. they'll go out somewhere. <laughs> but it's you know with with Haniger, he's someone who again, if you're looking for power and streaming power. Hanniger is a guy you do that with, and that's that's Mm -hmm. how you kind of can tuck into the back, you know, the back half of the list, or, you know, kind of on the taxi squad is someone who, you know, they've got some power. I mean, if you so so here's a you know here's an example. If you've been rostering Jake Berger, uh, third baseman for the White Sox, who was on a really nice power streak, he's not starting anymore. This is something I've been worried about. I knew that when Eloy came back, Jake Berger was going to lose playing time because uh, Jake Berger was really primarily getting, you know, once the Yon got back, they only put Jake Berger in the DH slot. Eloy comes back. He takes the DH slot. Jake Berger, now a platoon guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's platooning with Gavin Sheets. So the power had already kind of dried up, and now he's not playing every day. If you're looking to move on for more power, Mitch Hanniger may be one of the guys that's on your wire because usually the waiver wire doesn't have a ton of the power options. It's got a bunch of these like slap hitting guys, right? So between uh you know someone we talked about early in the season like Jack Sawinski, right? So Jack Sawinski another power hitter uh that you could be looking at. He has horrible zone contact though. He's very much like he's like a Brent Rooker type who he'll that's hit freaky. like yeah, he'll hit like 10 home runs in half a month and then we won't mm-hmm. talk about him again for a month and a half. Right? Mm-hmm. Cuz that's just kind of, I mean that's just the way that that sort of archetype goes. But Mitch Hanniger is someone who should do enough to kind of be relevant all the time. Maybe not super relevant. Again, his upside is limited because it's just power. But it's there, and power is not an easy thing to get on the wire.
1: hmm Yeah. Um, Brian De La Cruz, outfielder for the Marlins, uh, made the list at number 119. Seven home runs, 24 RBI in his first 54 games, batting 300 with an 807 OPS, And if I'm reading you right, long term, it seems that you're concerned that his aggressive nature at the plate might cap his growth. I mean, the guy's got a 26.5% K rate overall and not afraid to chase pitches outside the strike zone. So uh, if I'm reading you right, you think that that might come, um, um, you know, be a problem, uh, you know, this season or, you know, moving forward. Yeah,
2: so... So when I say aggressive, I don't necessarily mean that he's going to strike out too much. I actually don't think De La Cruz is going to strike out too much, right? Okay. Like too. generally speaking, if you hear me say strikes out too much, that means 30% or more, right? 30% mm-hmm. or more really hard to be successful in the major leagues when you strike out more than 30% of the time, unless you're walking a ton and you've got, you know, a special skill, like tons of power, something like that uh with with De la Cruz, it's that he walks sort of at a league average or lower rate. Uh, he's walking a little bit more of the season, which is nice, but he kind of swings at lots of stuff and it leads to a lot of weak contact so uh, a guy that sort of also has an aggressive approach, even though it doesn't always show up in the uh it doesn't always show up in the numbers like you'd expect uh is Austin Hayes, right so Austin Hayes, the guy who swings at a lot of stuff doesn't strike out a lot, but does swing at a lot of stuff, and what it leads to is this weak contact. Swing at maybe there's like swings at things that maybe he shouldn't swing at. He doesn't have like a crazy chase rate or anything, but he swings at stuff. Maybe he shouldn't swing at, especially like earlier in account. And that sort of sets him up for these rough parts of the at bat later on where, yeah, I can hit this, but it's like this, you know, it's like a well-located changeup. There's nothing for me to do with it, but I got to swing at it. Cause it's in the zone. At least this weak contact, that's what, you know, it drives these high ground ball rates, you know Brian De La Cruz, twenty six point four percent fly ball rate this season. Career, uh, twenty nine point four. It is hard to stay in the major leagues for a long time when you have a sub thirty percent fly ball rate, right? I know I keep saying we oh, go. You can't stay in the major leagues with this. You can't stay in the major leagues with that. Mm-hmm. But th- these are sort of extreme things, right? His strikeout rate's fine, but he never puts the ball in the air as a major leaguer. Now he did it in the minors, fine, right? He still had a lot of ground balls, but he could put the ball up in the air. But like sub 30% fly ball rate is going to make it really tough, especially when you're a Marlin and you play in a really tough park to hit home runs in like you, there, there are no ground ball home runs that, that can't happen. But, uh, you know, Brian De La Cruz, he's, he's actually, more, you know, I was talking about with Haniger how it can be hard to find power on the wire because Brian De La Cruz is more like the type of player you find on the wire or, you know, like a Jamer Candelario, right? they're these guys who can give you good ratios and put up counting stats when their team is hitting well and they're putting extra balls in play, but long-term, right? Like 25 home runs in 228 uh, games played. So like he's got 20 ish home run upside. That's mm. it. That's all he's got. So again, there can be a good player here. Someone worthy of like the back end of the list. Uh, not unlike a, a Jamer Canlario, but unless he starts getting the ball in the air more, I'm not really interested in moving him up out of that last tier or two.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Gotcha. All right. So uh, J.D. Davis made the list uh, at 147, third baseman for the Giants. Personally, I think, you know, I'm glad to see that he made the list. I think he's a bit underrated uh, on his way to a 25-plus home run season, batting 280 this season, uh, you know, lifetime 267 hitter. Always had good power. And, you know, you could talk about him, and I also want to uh, question, would you rather have J.D. Davis or J. Mark Candelario on your roster at this stage?
2: I, I'm going to give the cop out first, which
1: is it depends on your needs, hmm. right? Uh,
2: but actually, it's probably J.D. Davis because J.D. Davis has the upside. Candelario's hmm. a, a much higher floor, right? There's no scenario where... Uh, Jamer Candelario moves into a platoon. There are scenarios where J.D. Davis moves to a platoon. He's been used that way before. This season, he is getting a lot more regular playing time. He's really turned into that everyday third baseman for the Giants, a guy who he's a little, you know, he's actually kind of better in a platoon sort of sense. He's he's always had a big platoon split, but seeing him especially lately move up to that 2-3 spot in the order, uh, the, you know, he hasn't actually hit an extra base hit. Uh, in a couple of games here, which really just means he's due. This guy hits the ball really hard. And one of the reasons he makes the list is the same thing I said about Mitch Hanager, which is power is hard to find on the wire, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who, uh, you know, in a full season is a 25-plus home run threat. Yeah. I mean, that's just the mm-hmm. kind of power he can bring to the table. Uh, he hasn't played a full season really ever outside of 2019. Uh, but, you know, he does walk. You know, plenty. So he's got that extra value in OBP. I I like the power here. I think that there's some upside again, hard for him to break out of, you know, those, those bottom two tiers, unless we see even, you know, we see a bigger surge, but there is power here. I can't ignore it and power is just harder to find on the back end of that list. So the more I looked at it that way, the more I saw it and the more I started valuing power, uh, Kind of like how the back end of the list, you know, a year ago, two years ago, the back end of the list was like, if a guy can steal, he's on, right? Yeah. Gets on the list. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's, it's not that stolen bases aren't important, but there's a lot of these 15 stolen base guy, 20 stolen base guys kind of floating around these waiver wires, but where's the 25 home run power? That used to be the thing that was always out there used to always be able to go and grab a guy who can hit 2025 home runs. And that's just a lot harder to do. So that's why you'll see a guy like JD Davis move up the list. If that's not what you need, if you don't need power, uh, Jamer Candelario way safer, right? going to play like he plays every single day. He's on, you know, his team's not very good, but, you know, he's always going to have ratios. We have seen strikeout rates become a problem for J.D. Davis in the past. So that's where kind of the floor is with him, whereas we're not going to see that with Jamer. His his bigger problem will just be like empty ratios, whereas J.D. Davis could go through one of his strikeout, you know, sort of his strikeout fits where he becomes very difficult to even put in the starting lineup. But that's not where he is right now. Right now, he's hitting well, hitting in the top of the order. So I do like J.D. Davis.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, next couple of players I'll talk about are guys that are catcher eligible. Um, you have Tyler Stevenson that made the list at 148, and uh, he's kind of having a an off year, especially against right hander pitching, batting 206 against right handers. And uh, Stevenson multi position eligible. Uh, in most leagues, first base and catcher. Um and but really disappointing with his, with his batting average uh, this, so far this season. And the other guy uh, that made the list, uh, kind of an exciting player, right? A New York Mets catcher, Francisco Alvarez, uh, debuted at 139. Eight home runs, 19 RBI in his first 37 games. Uh, you know, I got to watch him play yesterday. My brother-in-law is a big Mets fans, so we were watching the Mets, and uh, Alvarez just came in as a pinch hitter. But with the eye test, he's got some swagger to his game, some spunk. Uh, and uh, if you're a Mets fan, it seems like you're going to love to watch him play. And if you're not, Alvarez is going to be that player that you love to hate. My, my brother-in-law thinks he's going to get into a fight. Just uh, I guess because he's kind of a, a you know outwardly aggressive kind of guy. But good power numbers. You know, listening to local sports radio talk here, Mets fans want him to play more. Uh, is having some uh, trouble hitting lefty pitchers, but I think he's got some. Uh, not I think. I mean, it's almost certainly has some upside there for uh, Francisco Alvarez.
2: Yeah, let's talk about Tyler Stevenson first. Kind of get him out of the way. Uh, he, yeah. <laughs> you know, he is still hitting in the middle of this this Reds lineup. And actually, in the days leading up to the list, he had kind of heated up a couple games. You know, a couple multi-hit games, a couple games with some doubles. Uh, scoring some runs. He's, you know, he's petered out the last couple of games, but, you know, still hit a double a couple of days ago. Uh, he's someone who I'm watching because he did have that, you know, top 10, really top eight catcher upside, but the strikeout rate has kind of gotten out of control this season and it's not really getting better. I keep waiting for it too, because this wasn't really a problem for him in in seasons past. Uh, he wasn't someone who who struck out too much, right? Like in his full season in 2021, it was less than 20%. Uh, it was only a partial season 2022 and it was, it was 20, it was 25%, but it was coming with some extra power. So that was fine. Now it's 28%. Uh, it keeps hovering near 30% on that rolling chart. That scares me a little. So he's on the list right now. He might actually just end up falling back into the, you know, he's kind of been bouncing between the back end of the list and then he'll mm-hmm. go to the, to the, uh, taxi squad for a little while. So he's kind of bouncing right. around somebody to keep an eye on. He's kind of, a, you know, if he's at home, um, you know, he, I don't know how, you know, his home road splits like this season aren't necessarily like super good, uh, but they should be. He should be a lot better at home in that tiny little ballpark. So I'm a little bit more interested uh, at home. So we'll see how that goes. He's been much better against lefties than righties so far. So there's some streaming appeal for Tyler Stevenson and really you know, catcher, the top end is a lot stronger than it used to be, but that middle of the pack just hasn't panned out the way I thought it would coming Mm -hmm. into this season. So streaming catcher is fine. But if you're streaming catcher and Francisco Alvarez is still on that wire, you need to go get him. This guy is, he is one of, if not the top catching prospects out there right now, like he could finish this season with 20 home runs, Mm -hmm. right? And he's only going to play about 110 games when all is said and done, he can hit 20 home runs. That's the kind of power this guy has, Uh, I mean, I I don't necessarily expect him to get quite that high, but I think he could. It's just going to depend on playing time, but he's definitely got that. Like he's going to slug comfortably over 400, which is not something we see a lot of catchers do. Uh, It's something where he's really kind of like eased in, you know? So when he first got called up, there was a lot of excitement and it was a slow start, but he is really getting the hang of major league pitching. He recently had like a six game streak where he didn't strike out. Had a bunch of hits during that time. The hits have been down just a little bit over the weekend, but I still expect them to come. He had, you know, he had like five home runs over the span of like eight games. Uh, I mean, just it's really looking like he's starting to to get a feel for it. He even got to move up to second in the lineup uh, just for a couple of days, and then he's kind of moved back down to ninth. But especially if he gets a chance to move up in that lineup, uh, then he's like, then I'm even more excited. But he should be. I mean, if you don't have a top six or seven catcher, this is the guy you need to be targeting. Mm -hmm. Francisco Alvarez Mm -hmm. is someone who I expect us next year to be figuring out where to put him in the top, you know, in that third tier of catchers, maybe second tier of catchers, if he has the season I think he could have, which is he finishes with 20 home runs.
1: Yep. All right. Um, If you're still
2: rostering Alejandro Kirk, move on. Go ahead and get Francisco mm -hmm. Alvarez.
1: Kirk, you're still alive, my old friend. Yeah, okay. I agree um Matt McLean uh, made the list of uh, Reds prospect uh, through his first 17 games 333 batting average with a 904 OPS two home runs nine RBI and a stolen base um yeah I think you have your concerns about you know his uh long term upside right the strikeouts worry you a bit and uh, you know statcast numbers uh, think that you know he's going to current uh you know stats are kind of inflated a bit but uh what do you think in terms everyone wants ellie de la cruz uh you know when you talk reds prospects but we have matt mcclain so far and he's actually been doing pretty well
2: We, you know we don't need ellie de la cruz we got matt mcclain at home right mm. like that's <laughs> that's kind of the way it goes right now right yeah. i was like oh you don't need mcdonald's we got roast beef and you know <laughs> mustard at home right it'll be fine uh yeah. it's so here's the thing with Matt McClain. I feel like all I've done is talk about how I don't like Matt McClain, especially in like the Reddit AMAs. It's not that I don't like Matt McClain. I think in a full season, Matt McLean is a very useful player. I think he's got 20 home run power in that bat. I think that uh, the ratios could be fine. Um, You know, I don't think the strikeout rate is here to stay. Uh, he made some big, I mean, it was rough in 2022, but I mean, it, he looked like he made big strides with that strikeout rate uh, starting this year in AAA, striking out less than 20% of the time. Uh, and, you know, power is actually probably the you know, power and some speed are probably the tools we care most about in, in fantasy. I think he can be a you know in his best season may look like a 20 home run 20 stolen base kind of season I think he has that kind of upside I don't think the ratios will be great though and that's the part I really want to warn against like every red flag about batting average right now is there right this guy I mean he's hitting he's hitting mostly stuff like I, I'm what, number one, 30.2% line drive rate. Joe, we've talked about line drive rates. This yep. is not a sustainable line drive rate. This is double his line drive rate from the minor leagues, mm-hmm. right? That success in the minors was coming from fly balls. He had 49% fly balls uh, this season, and even years past. I mean, it's been like over 40%. That's great. It's 26.4% right now in the majors, right? That is not a path to like long term success. Uh, and it's, you know, a it's a lot more ground balls than I wanted to see 43.4%. He had this well under 40% in the minors. That's where his success is going to come. That what I really want to know is where do the, the, where do the line drives go? Do the line drives turn into those fly balls that are missing? And all of a sudden we see that 40% fly ball rate. That would be great. Right. If it was more of like a 20% line drive, 40% ground ball, 40% fly ball, that would be awesome. Right. I'm worried that those line drives turn into ground balls. He's not hitting the ball particularly hard in the major leagues, right? Like he's had a decent, you know, he's had like one or two good max EVs, but uh, you know, the bail rate 7.5% that's fine, but it's like a 37.7% hard hit rate. That's not great, right? That X slug mm-hmm. is under 400 for a reason. Cause he's hitting a ton of stuff on the ground. He's right. just finding holes and this isn't to say he's going to be bad coming up. Right. So Matt McLean, can make the adjustment before the luck runs out, right? Like he can, he can turn those line drives into like the, the 30% line drives. Those can sort of move into what they need to be. And he can become a good hitter while we're waiting for this. We actually saw this. Matt McLean is not Fernando Tatis Jr. But that's actually what happened. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s rookie year. He had a ton of batted ball luck. And then before the luck ran out, he turned it into skill right? He turned that lucky stuff into just harder hit balls with the right trajectory to the right parts of the field. And we didn't have to, like, we didn't see like the luck reverse because the luck started to reverse, but the skill took over. So it all balanced out. I think that could happen for Matt McLean. But if you think you're set at shortstop for the rest of this season, because you have Matt McLean, I think you're a little misguided. I think the it's far more likely that we see adjustment periods for Matt McClain that are going to be hard to roster simply because you can't hit 30% line drives for very long. Right. And we're starting to get to the end of the time where you can keep doing that. Even the best line drive hitters in the league cannot do this for very long. And those Mm -hmm. guys are like Luis Arias, who aren't actually trying to hit the ball any harder, right? Like they're just, they're hitting line drives, but they're mostly like softer line drives. Matt McClain is trying to hit the ball harder It's just not getting up in the air. So until he starts hitting more fly balls, not line drives, I want fly balls. Then I'm going to be worried about what he looks like for the rest of the season. That said, he's hitting more than well enough. I do want to talk about Ellie de la Cruz. And I sure. brought this up in the AMA. So if, if you were on Reddit at all, I love the AMA we've got, not because I'm in it, but because we have a lot of really good discussion. One of the things I bring up in that AMA is when to expect Ellie De La Cruz. I know this is a question I've gotten the last two or three AMAs. Everyone wants to know when does Ellie De La Cruz come up? You know, there was lots of folks thinking that he'd actually be up this weekend because of the Super 2 deadline. Uh, I, I just, I want to caution everybody right now. On waiting for Ellie De La Cruz. This is not a Chris Bryant, the day Super Two comes, he's up, right? Because the difference with Ellie De La Cruz, look, I love this guy's skill set. I think, you know, there's a reason he is a, you know, on the short list of top fantasy prospects in baseball right now. There's a problem though, and that's strikeouts. The strikeouts have really been climbing over the last month or so. And, you know, just in the month, you know, since May first, uh, the strikeout rate is fine, but it's it's gotten a lot. You know, it, really at the beginning of the season, it was good. We have just seen it climb and climb and climb over the last few weeks. Uh, it's up the close other day, to 30... He
1: struck out five times. Yeah,
2: so <laughs> yeah. we we're seeing that strikeout rate kind of like fluctuate. And here's the problem with strikeout rates. Uh, When you go from the minors to the majors, you should expect at least a 5% bump in strikeout rate. So right now, Ellie De La Cruz is striking. I mean, his entire minor league career has been plagued with strikeouts. The walks are here this year, which helps offset that a lot, but a 27.1% minor league strikeout rate does not turn into a 27.1% strikeout rate in the majors. I mean, it could, there are players who improve their strikeout rate initially in the major leagues, right? Right. Those players are few and far between generally what I would expect a player with a strikeout rate over 25% uh, when they come to the majors, I expect that to be 30 to 35% at least, right? Mm -hmm. At least a 5% bump is what you should probably expect from a player coming from at least the high minors to the major leagues. So that starts looking like a 30% strikeout rate. Does that mean Ellie De La Cruz couldn't be successful with that? No. What it does mean is the Reds already have a tough decision with Ellie De La Cruz. To get him up, someone has to sit. And either really has to be Matt McClain or Jonathan India, both of whom are hitting well. And, you know, again, Matt McClain has a little bit of a strikeout problem, but he's already up. Right. And he's he's making contact. There's no reason for them to say and he is also a prospect. They have a lot of interest in going forward. So why cap his growth? Right. And then the other player, Jonathan India, a, you know, former rookie of the year, <laughs> like like he's a guy who can play well. He is playing well now. If unless they find a trade partner or something like that, you you don't want to just sit Jonathan India, who's been a big part of your offense so far. Uh, and what what message I send to the team when you're just like, all right, sorry, Jonathan India, you're out. Right. Mm. Like you, you can't do that, especially with how well he's playing right now. So, so what do you do? Right. I think right now, if you're the reds, you say, okay, Ellie De La Cruz, let's work on that strikeout rate a bit more. Let's see some prolonged periods with, with controlled strikeouts. And then we can make the tough decision. We don't really want to make. Right. So I don't expect Ellie De La Cruz until maybe the end of this month, maybe even the all-star break simply because of that. Now, could he expedite that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, unless an injury happens or Ellie De La Cruz really s- stops striking out entirely, I'm not expecting him to come up in an imminent sense because that play discipline could look a lot worse when it gets to the major leagues.
1: Yeah. You want to avoid setting him up for failure. Right. If you I mean, that's the key. Season. I mean, I say it.
2: I say it to my wife all the time when we go on our little shifts with the twins. Right, I'm like, "Hey, uh, before you know, before you take your nap, can you wash some bottles for me? Set me up for success,
1: <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> I love that. right?
2: Right. So that's really, I mean, and that's really what the Reds want to do for Ellie De La Cruz. If you're going to bring your best prospect up, who has a suspect hit tool, right? Who is extremely boomer bust? Do you do that in a place where, if he is bad for two days, you're going to sit him again for Jonathan Friggin India,
1: hmm.
2: right? Like, no, no, you want to put him in a position where he could be comfortable, where he, you know, he gets to get through some of maybe his initial, you know, an initial downturn. He gets to, he he gets to adapt to the major leagues, right? I, again, I think he will be very, very good when he's here, but it might not be right away. And I think there's going to be a delay in bringing him up to make sure that that transition is as smooth as possible. I mean, this guy hasn't been in the high minors for very long, right? He has less than a hundred games in the high minors, right? He only sniffed. Double A, la- you know, later part of last season, he played forty-seven games in Double A, thirty-seven games in Triple A. I know it's exciting to rush these guys through, but especially when the hit tool is suspect, it's just not a re- it's not a recipe for success. Hmm.
1: So it sounds like maybe Christian and Carnacion Strand might make the bigs before uh, Dela Cruz. I mean, you look at what this guy's doing: thirty-six games in Triple A, fourteen home runs, thirty-seven RBI with a three thirty three batting average. Yeah. And, and
2: and for him, it's kind of gone. I mean, it's sort of gone the, it's sort of gone the other way because the strikeout rate was a little higher later on, but really recently he's, he's turned it on, right. He's really, Mm -hmm. uh, he's gotten better with the strikeouts. So I guess he could, uh, I'd have to look more. I mean, senzel has
1: been playing third for the reds. Yeah. uh, And I,
2: yeah. So, um, He probably need. I mean, there's there's a lot of former first rounders on this roster. It's kind of funny, Uh, and they're like all reds, (laughs) like Mm. all the reds former first round picks are here. Even though they haven't quite done what you hope. We already talked about one before, and that was Tyler Stevenson. But you know, so Spencer Steer has really, I think, locked down that first base job. Uh, That's all his right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's doing a lot better than uh, average wise. I mean, we knew he had the power, but he's hitting for average, which was yeah.
2: I mean, we. We touched on Spencer Steer earlier in the season uh, because we were like, Hey, this is a deep league sleeper. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a deep league sleeper who we knew was going to get playing time. He's done a lot more with it than I thought he would. He is Mm -hmm. definitely a guy worth picking up in all leagues. He's more than watch list. If he's out there and you have any need at corner infield, I would definitely go get Spencer Steer, but Mm -hmm. you know, like how much longer are they going to keep trotting former first round pick Kevin Newman out there, right? He was actually a first round pick for the pirates, but so Kevin Newman is like, he's the easy piece to get rid of, but, Jonathan India has been the DH. So he moves to second base. That's one of the reasons I think it's going to be tough for LA De La Cruz at third base. You know, Nick Senzel has been fine. There is a, we could see Senzel move to the outfield. He's done that before, right? Like Jake Fraley is a guy who I know that they probably are just, they just don't see him as an everyday player. As much as I like the walk rate and and I like what Jake Fraley can do. He, he just doesn't do enough. I think to be a a full-time player, at least in the reds mind, he's also been a bit frail in his career. So we could see Senzel move to the outfield at some point, and that would make some room because you move Senzel to the outfield, that opens up third base. You can bring Encarnacion strand either to play first or third. Spencer Steer can also play first or third, so you can get that. But without injuries, again, you just have to move so many pieces around. And it's not just pieces, but young pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Senzel, under 28 years old, right? Uh, Even though it felt like he's been around for a long time, right? Jonathan India, he's not yet 27. Matt McClain's only 24, right? Like there's there's not there's not a lot of pieces to move around here. I mean, they're trying to get a look at Stuart Fairchild, who our PLV metrics have liked from time to time. Uh, he has some uh, really interesting plate metrics, <laughs> plate discipline metrics uh, You know, throughout his young career. He's someone I think they're trying to get a look at. He's someone they picked up off, off of waivers from the Giants. So a lot of pieces to move around, a lot of young pieces. So I'm not sure how that all pans out. But Uh, You know, Encarnacion Strand, someone he might be up before Ellie De La Cruz. That's really going to be more about how does this roster shake out? Are there other injuries, things like that? But Ellie De La Cruz is the one that I think everyone wants to see up soon. and It's just so hard to see it, especially while he's striking out.
1: Mm. And I hate to say it, uh, but, you know, Senzel has really been injury prone. And, you know, if he he gets hurt, uh, goes on the I.L. I think that that's a clear path for Encarnacion Strand to make his debut, but we'll see. I
2: mean, you're, you're not wrong, right? He was day-to-day a few days ago, right? <laughs> like, he, he hurt his knee, Um and, and Senzel's been really inconsistent. I mean, he was someone that was... I mean, this was... Nick Senzel was a former top-10 prospect.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like,
2: this was a guy who we really thought could do something, and it just didn't work out. But... You know, again, there's there's a lot of young players. That's another reason like the Reds don't have throwaway players to just kind of move aside and get into shortstop or third base. The mm-hmm. The Reds are flush with middle infield prospects, right? Between yeah. McLean uh, and Ellie De La Cruz. They, and then, you know, they've got Spencer Steer playing really well. They've got, you know, Encarnacion Strand playing really well. They've got a lot of pieces that are hard to shove in there. And the Reds are really, I think, are hoping their hands, you know, they're going to wait until their hands are truly forced, I think, mm-hmm. before they make those moves. I expect that to happen maybe late this month or around the All-Star break. Um, I almost wonder, no one's ever hoping for injury, but they're almost hoping that, you know, some unco- unforeseeable, uncontrollable thing happens to make these decisions easier for them,
1: Yeah, right? Or maybe, uh, you know, maybe Senzel stays healthy, and, you know, gets a, a little hot right before the trade deadline, they can move them, you know, uh, so, something like that. Uh, that'd be great for them. No.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if we're going to, you know, before we're done here, we'll talk about a, I, I do want to talk a few just real quick on some of the other prospects. I moved into the taxi squad. You can pretty much expect that unless I know a player's uh, debut date, they will not be on the list until they debuted right? Because in 12-team leagues, you just can't stash guys for very long. But uh, a couple guys we didn't talk about, the, you know, two that have similar, like, I'm not sure quite how they get playing time, Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, he's a middle infielder for the Mets. I mean, he's a guy, again, very exciting prospect, hitting really, really well this year. I had originally thought that maybe they take Canha and, like, platoon him, get rid of him, whatever, move McNeil to the outfield, Mauricio moves to second base. But is hitting really well. Right. So lately, his, you know, his WRC plus is up in like the 120s, 130s. He's playing well. This is a team that wants to compete right now. Uh, So instead of moving pieces around, there's no guarantee that Ronnie Mauricio comes in and does what what Mark Kanha is doing for them right now. Right. Like long term, absolutely he
1: will but short term matters. The Mets are clamoring for Mauricio to get called up. I mean, you listen to when does he play?
2: Like they're having a hard (laughs) enough time finding playing time for the other guys. They've called up, right? Like Mark Fientos and Brett Beatty. Like it's, it's a crowded roster. They spent a bunch of money on it for good reason. And I still like that. They did that, but it's made it hard for them to call up Ronnie Mauricio. So he's another guy who I think uh, his concern is less when he gets called up and it's more of how much he plays because the Mets Mm -hmm. have shown they'll call up guys before there's playing time for them. Right. So, They'll figure that out. I think Kyle Manzardo uh, for the Rays is another guy who I I think, yeah, he could be a big impact player. I just don't know what that looks like. Where does he play, right? Uh, Yandy Diaz, if he stays healthy, I mean, he's absolutely deserved to play every single day. They've got Mm -hmm. other guys that they like playing every single day. So I'm not sure where Manzardo gets his plate appearances. Obviously, we've seen Jordan Walker finally get called up. I was really discouraged uh, when Oscar Mercado got the call before Jordan Walker, but now Jordan Walker's getting the call. He's going to be on the list this week. It's just going to be in that last tier. I still love the upside for Jordan Walker. He's gotten better with pitch selection in the minors, read a couple of cool articles on that. Uh, so it's something where he was really struggling with ground balls, not strikeouts, just ground balls hitting pitches that he really doesn't, he couldn't do anything with. So uh, I hope we see that improve, but it, they've played him all weekend. So that was key. Right, I yeah. mean, it was the same reason I've been a little hesitant on Jake McCarthy. I didn't know how much he was going to play. He's playing, so he'll be on the list. Yeah, Jake Walker's McCarthy, playing, another
1: he's batting eighth, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> you know? batting
2: eighth. But I mean, for him, it doesn't mean They're going to let him run anyway, right? He just needs to get on base. His his mm-hmm. primary. I mean, you didn't pick up Jake McCarthy for RBI, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got him for stolen bases. Uh, I would just say we have no idea what Jake McCarthy's upside is because what he did last season was so cool. And so unpredictable. He was mm-hmm. like the fifth outfielder. Like if you had told us a uh, in 2022, a Diamondbacks white, uh, a Diamondbacks rookie outfielder will break out like we had like five guesses before Jake McCarthy. Yeah. Right. Carol, like like probably por- right? <laughs> Carol, Alec Thomas, Stone Garrett, yeah. like any of these guys. Right. And it was like Jake freaking McCarthy. So <laughs> like we, yeah, we weren't he, expecting he that he that. won
1: people some leagues last year with his yeah and uh, he and
2: he got demoted within a month Mm -hmm. uh his first you know his first i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of volatility we've seen he's we've seen him be so good and so bad but he's playing right now he's playing well he'll be on the list so uh he's he's a prospect that you know he's not really a prospect he just kind of showed up as a rookie and we're going with it so uh you know, he's one, and I think the last one I want to talk about, he recently got demoted, someone who I do get asked about quite a bit, and it's uh, Edouard Julien. So he was uh, he is a Twins uh, infielder, and he had this amazing plate discipline in the minors. And you should go, look, when I talk about plate discipline metrics in the minors not always translating right away to the major leagues, I'm talking about guys like Edouard Julien, who amazing play discipline but just like and they can you can see walk rates stay pretty stable from minor leagues to major leagues right recognizing pitches out of the zone doesn't always change that much from level to level Mm -hmm. it's being able to connect with strikes right and it's sometimes a little harder to find that stuff that's in the zone and Julianne just could not prevent the strikeouts like he couldn't hit the stuff that was in the zone Right. And, and then he starts pressing or something and it just all gets out of whack. So that's what I'm watching for when plate, like, especially when a guy's main trait is his plate discipline, that's a hard transition to the major leagues because the pitches just look so different. Everyone coming out of the pen can throw gas or has a nice breaking ball. Every starter's got something right. Uh, Whereas in the minor leagues, like a lot of those guys don't. So That's like the cautionary tale. I still like Julianne, like long term. I think he can come up and be like a good plate discipline kind of guy. But plate discipline is a hard skill to translate. It generally gets much worse before it gets better. That's the cautionary tale.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All right. Well, great stuff. I I love uh, reading the hitter list uh, and especially love that taxi squad. uh, The part of the article, you give the little short updates and tidbits on up and coming prospects and also guys that. Uh, you know, some people might consider fringe players. So it comes out every Wednesday, right, Scott? It does. It does. It, uh, it was
2: a little late this time. So it was like a little later in Wednesday afternoon. It should be out around two got, o'clock.
1: Like three kids and stuff. I mean, yeah, what, three kids, three, man. you know,
2: three cats, a dog, <laughs> guinea pig, you know, wife, all, right, we'll give you a all those things. But yeah, and, and like, don't be, don't be afraid, you know, on, when I write the article, I, I love responding to the comments. We get, we get tons of comments. Now, most of the comments are about how I left someone off the taxi squad. And that's okay. Tell me that the taxi squad is always missing guys. I just oh. have like, I have a limited brain, right? I can't always think of every player I want on there. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to reach out and be like, Hey, why is it like so? The you know, someone made a comment this week, which was, Hey, Where's Spencer steer? Why isn't he on the list? Like, are, are you underrating him? It's like, no, I roster him in my tout team, right? Like I love Spencer steer. I just, when I, I just wasn't thinking of him when I did this, uh, because I just have a limited capacity for players. And so tell me that because I want to give these guys, you know, what they deserve and it's, it's okay to check me on it. Right. Be like, Hey, what, you know, why isn't he here? It may be for a reason. Like I may tell you like, Hey, there's, I actually am not a big fan of this guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, you know, Jamer Candelario is not Oh, actually he is listed, but he's a taxi squad. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if he ever got cold, I'd dump him. Right. right. Even my my beloved Akil Badu is on the taxi squad. Uh, he's mm-hmm. actually always there, even when he's terrible. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like, I, but like, you know, I, I put them out there. You know, Paul DeYoung pretty much never made it to the to the list. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of times I, I have guys on the taxi squad who I don't think are good. Right but because I think I want to tell you something about them, right? Right. It's like Owen Miller, Owen Miller still hitting. I, I mean, I, I just don't think it's going to be anything. It's going to fade out like Mickey Moniak still there. Right. But he's probably going to fade off. Paul, the young yeah. was a guy like that. He's probably going to yeah, fade off. Already so
1: being Moniak, yep.
2: Yeah. So uh, th- those players will always kind of be there, but you know, Brandon Marsh has a hard time making it to the list. And I tell people why, because he strikes out a ton. Right. He doesn't have a lot of power. He doesn't have a lot of speed. And when you combine that with strikeout rates that get near 30%, I don't care. Casey Schmidt uh, just hasn't made the list because I'll, I just tell you that he doesn't have enough power or speed for me to be interested. So part mm-hmm. of the taxi squad is to tell you like why I kind of don't like guys, but it's always missing players. If you want to know about players, I want to have them on the hitter list, at least on the taxi squad. So I can tell you why.
1: Yeah. And as same uh, situation where if there's guys that you want us to talk about on this podcast reach out to us you could uh, follow me at, at joe galina follow uh, scott at, at, at if the chew fits and you'd love to have some interaction with uh, we know that there's a lot of people that download the podcast so if, if, you, if you like it or if you don't like it and you want to hear something specific let us know but uh good stuff good stuff as always scott i guess that kind of slams the lid on things for this week like i said i'll say it again follow me at joe galina follow scott chew at If the Chew Fits. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.